0: Hello and welcome to Peace, the podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Peace, a United Methodist community in Shoreview, Minnesota. I'm Jason Steffenhagen, the lead pastor. And each episode will typically start with a sacred story reading coming from the Holy Scriptures, followed by the message that was given during our Sunday morning worship time. Any announcements for our community will come at the end of each episode, so stick around if you are curious about learning more about Peace, the United Methodist community, you can go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. If you would like to find more episodes, you can find them on our website or go to our show page, which is peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Once again, that's peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Dot com. We hope that you enjoy this episode. Please like, rate, review, subscribe, and now on to the Sacred Story reading. All right, we are in a series called The Music That Made Us. The Music That Made Us. We're looking at all those songs that have shaped who we are, that have put language to our emotions and our feelings, that have given us a way to experience the world, maybe in a new, fresh way. Maybe they've challenged the way we think about faith, family, relationships. Maybe they've just put words to something that we've always known deep down inside. Music has that ability. Music is often the soundtrack that we live our life by. Music is the through line for many of us of Where we've been, where we are, and where we will be one day. Music has a way of shaping so much of our reality. And that is no joke when it comes to the Beatles. And as many of us had an opportunity to listen to John Kearns playing three such Beatles songs, we got to listen to Help, With a Little Help From My Friends, and All You Need Is Love. All You Need Is Love. It's one of those memorable, kind of get-stuck-in-your-head perfect songs that the Beatles wrote, and they have so many of them. And All You Need Is Love is just a quintessential, beautiful song that seems to be so simple, and yet it is so profound um, in what it's getting at, that that love is that thing that we need. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about love, but we're going to talk about it In the framework of friendship, because in the other songs that we listen to, Help and with a little help from my friends, we are hearing the message of friendship and the need to be in healthy, dynamic friendships. And that idea is something that we can all relate to, especially at different points in our life. So, for instance, I remember being 18 years old and getting ready to graduate from high school. And I grew up in a fairly conservative family not not crazy conservative but conservative enough that sometimes certain types of music were encouraged and certain types of music were discouraged and the two types of music that were probably most encouraged or most frequently found on the radio station when in the car were the oldies so i grew up listening to the beatles thank you very much some of you are like grew up listening to the beatles in the oldies station huh that's making us feel old well sorry i can't do anything about that But what I can say is that I grew up listening to a lot of the Beatles growing up, but I also grew up listening to KTIS 98.5 KTIS because that was the Christian music station and still is, and it was on all the time. And there was a very popular singer songwriter by the name of Michael W. Smith, and around the time that I was graduating high school, there was a song that came out um, that was called Friends Are Friends Forever. And I remember listening to this song on a number of occasions, but there was a time where I was driving home one day towards the end of my senior year, and this song comes on. And it's in friends are friends forever If the Lord's the Lord of them And a friend will not say never And a welcome will not end Though it's hard to let you go In the Father's hands we know That a lifetime's not too long to live as friends. And oh my goodness, not only are you crying because of how terrible my singing was, but I was bawling my eyes out listening to that in the car, thinking about all my friends that I would soon be going off to college and we'd be leaving home and we wouldn't have the same neighborhood dynamic anymore. We wouldn't have the same baseball team. We wouldn't have the same anything anymore. Life was completely shifting on its axis and it was all going to be different and I was sobbing my eyes out because I was thinking about the love that I had for my friends and friends are such an important part of how we create community because they shape so much of our existence and so let's talk a little bit about friendship and I think the best way to talk about it the way that I think would mean the most is if we dive into what love looks like especially in a friendship now we have this annoying word called love in the english language and it's annoying because we don't always understand the depth of it or the shallowness of it depending on how it's used for instance i could say i love hamburgers which i do and i could say i love my wife which I do. Now, depending on what I mean by the word love changes what you understand me to be saying about hamburgers and my wife. Now, I'm obviously not romantically attracted to hamburgers in the same way that I'm not really, really passionately excited to consume my wife. And so you can see why the word love can be a little frustrating at times because we use the same thing to describe things that are vastly different. Well, now the Greeks didn't have that problem. The Greeks actually used different words under the heading of love. They had four different words for love. They actually had more than four words for love, but I'm going to focus on the four main words that they used for love. And the first one is this word called storge. Storge was a type of familial love, like a love within a family. And it's especially an understanding towards parents to children, that there's this responsibility, this care that's provided. Storge is about the love that parents have for their children. They look out for them. They take care of them. They shelter them. That there's this umbrella that they have over their children. They want to protect them. So Storge is this familial love of protection, guidance, help. It's a very beautiful, responsible type of love. Now, sometimes we feel this for friendships, but friendships are meant to be a little bit more equal because Storge kind of has a level of hierarchy in it. Like, you know, my kids have a love for me, but it's not the same because they're not responsible for me the way that I'm responsible for them. The second word that I want to highlight, I'm not going to talk too long about, even though we could probably write songs about, is Eros. Eros is romantic love. It's that attraction, that desirous love, that I want to be close to you. I want to be physical with you. Eros is that thing that draws us together. It's the thing that gives you butterflies in your stomach. It's that thing that normally starts many romantic relationships. There's a sense of Eros in the air, that you just are moving, gravitated, pulled towards the other person. Eros is a dynamic kind of love. Now, there's a hesitation within Eros, because Eros is immensely important. But the problem is that Eros is like a fire. It can burn hot, but it can also burn out. And so if you're trying to build a long-lasting relationship or a marriage on Eros, you've got to be careful. You know, oftentimes we hear in these cheesy movies on Netflix that there's this butterflies in the stomach feeling. And once that goes out, then maybe the relationship is, is something that should be questioned. And it's like, are you kidding me? No, that's just a form of love. That's not the entirety of love. You haven't fallen out of love with someone just because you don't have butterflies in your stomach anymore. It just means that your love and your your way of relating to them may be shifting slightly. And it doesn't mean that Eros can't come back. It doesn't mean that 10, 15, 20, 50 years into a marriage, you can't suddenly be caught up again with romantic passion towards the other person. If anything, all relationships, all healthy relationships, go through different seasons of different types of love. And so, yes, eros might be the beginning. It might be that butterflies in the stomach. It might be that passion, that, that magnetism that draws you to the other person. But it doesn't mean that when that is gone, that suddenly everything else is gone because there are other forms of love that are as important if not more important. The third one is philia. Philia is friendship love. It's a deep meaningful friendship love. The the I'm in this with you type of love. Like I'm not going to leave you just because things get hard kind of love. Like we're in this together. We are BFFs, right? We are going the distance. Like you're my person type of love. Like we are doing this together. Philia is that abiding friendship type love. Now, we're going to talk more about that in a minute. So, that's where I'm going to stop with that Philia because you can see that friendship is attached to it and we're going to dive more deeply into it. The fourth understanding of love, the fourth word for love, is agape. This one is one that you may have heard before, heard preached on before, but agape is sacrificial love sacrificial love. It's the type of love that Christ has when Christ goes to the cross on behalf of humanity and is showing us the way of Christ and is being an example for us. Agape is the willingness to lay down your life for the betterment of someone else. Jesus says at one point in the the scriptures that no greater love is there found than when a friend lays down his life For another, right? And so it's the idea that you are laying your life down for someone, that you are putting their needs ahead of yours, that you are willing to sacrifice. Now, you could probably say, well, isn't that part of the familial love? Isn't that part of what a parent does for a child? Yes, yes, it is. Uh, These are all under the heading, these are all under the big tent of love. So there's going to be some cross pollinization, there's going to be some similarities to these. So you're going to see a parent having agape love. Towards their children, as well as having storge love, where they have a sense of responsibility and care for them, you're also going to see them maybe have some philia love, where they have this deep abiding connection. Maybe as the relationship matures, as the child gets older, there's a little less storge and a little bit more philia, but maybe there's always agape, right? And so we see these different forms of love taking place in the same relationship. Most scholars would say, most people would say, most probably. Therapists and pastors would say that in order for a marriage or a partnership to be truly healthy, you actually need all four forms of love. You need storge, where you look out for one one another. That there are seasons where you take care of one another. That you need Eros, that passion, that magnetism, that draw, that romance. That you need Philia, that deep abiding connection, that friendship, that I'm in this with you, that you're my person. And you need that Agape, that I'm willing to sacrifice, lay it all down for you. I'm willing to see myself decrease so that you can increase. That's what Agape is all about. And that's what love is all about, is these four big ideas. Now in the New Testament, Jesus had a number of friends, and probably his closest friend, or the one that we hear the most about, is this guy by the name of Peter. Now, Peter is a little bit of a spitfire. He is very passionate, and he's willing to just go, 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 go. And Peter is so into being a disciple of Jesus, and so into following this rabbi, and doing what this rabbi does, because that's the definition of a disciple, is to do what the rabbi does, that even when Jesus is walking on the water, Peter's like, well, if my rabbi can do it, I can do it. And so Peter asks, can I walk on the water with you? And Jesus says, yeah, come on. And he does. Peter walks on the water. That's how much trust and love and, and, and discipleship that Peter has, that Peter is willing to go to the ends of the earth for Jesus and with Jesus. But we also know that there's this kind of tragic moment with Peter. That as close as Peter is, and Peter was in that inner circle with Jesus. Jesus, we all know, had the 12 disciples, but he also had this inner circle, like these three BFFs, right? He had Peter, James, and John. They were kind of the inner circle. They were part of his his core team. And Peter was in that core team. He was the disciple of disciples. Jesus was going to lean on Peter, look to Peter for the future. And yet, Peter had one of the most tragic moments that we see in all of Scripture. It's this moment where Peter is going to deny Jesus three times on the night that Jesus is arrested. And before the rooster crows the next morning, Peter is going to deny that he even knows Jesus. People are going to come up to him and say, aren't you one of his followers? And he's going to say, no, I, never kn- I don't know the man. And then someone else is going to say it. And he's going to say, no, I never knew him. And then someone else is going to say, I thought I saw you with him the other day. And he's like, I don't even know the man. And so, Jesus is going to be denied by Peter three times. And it's going to bring shame upon Peter. And then Jesus goes to the cross, and Peter's not there. And Jesus goes into the tomb, and Peter's not there. And then there's word getting around that there's resurrection, and Jesus is showing up to the disciples. And one of the earliest stories of Jesus showing up to the disciples is that he finds them fishing once again. That's where he first found Peter. He first called Peter to be a disciple when Peter was fishing. He said, come, follow me. And now here again, they're fishing and Jesus is on the shore. And he says, friends, have you caught any fish? And they say, no. And he says, well, cast your nets over to the other side of the boat. And they do. And sure enough, just like Jesus in all of his fun miracles, he, they reel in this huge, huge catch of fish, almost to the point where it's going to drag the boat under. And as soon as it starts to happen, Peter realizes what's going on. And he says, oh my goodness, it's the Lord. And he jumps out of the boat, swims a hundred yards into shore, goes running onto the shore to see Jesus, to see the risen Messiah. And what we're going to read is John 21, 15 through 17. And this is the interaction that Jesus has with Peter after they've had breakfast together. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? more than you love any of these others. He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, Do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. Jesus said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, Do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And therefore Peter said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now on the surface, it feels like just a beautiful moment where Jesus is giving Peter a sense of his calling, that he really wants to emphasize for him to feed his sheep and to take care of this mission of the church that Christ has and that Peter is going to be a leader of. And that is a very beautiful reading of this passage. Just a way to to get into it is Peter's calling to feed the sheep, that Peter's going to be a leader, a pastor of pastors in a way, that Peter's going to be this leader of the disciples. But then there's a second level that we can go to, is why does Jesus repeat it three times? What is he trying to get at? And now, being that I set this up fairly well by looking at and talking to you about the idea of Peter's denial of Christ three times, you can see that maybe this repetition has a way of reinstating Peter from what he had just done. Maybe it's Jesus' way of saying, I know you're you're experiencing shame and that you feel like you just did the worst thing imaginable, which is deny that you know me, but I still trust you. I still need you. I still want you to be a part of what I'm up to. I still have a calling for you. To feed my sheep. And so Jesus is here reinstating Peter. So maybe that's a second level we can look at is not only is this about Peter's calling, but this is about Jesus reinstating Peter based on what he has just previously gone through a few days before. But then there's a third level, and this is the level that kind of brings it back around to this idea of love and friendship. Let me read the passage again, but instead of reading the word love, I'm going to read the actual Greek translations of these words, which will maybe shine a light on what's going on. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you agape? Do you self-sacrificially love me more than you love any of these others? Peter said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I philia, you. I love you as a dear, dear friend. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you self-sacrificially, do you agape me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I fill you. I deeply, with a dear friendship, love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Jesus said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you Love me as a dear friend. Philia me. Do you Philia me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, Do you Philia me? Do you love me as a dear friend? And he said to him, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, you know everything. You know that I Philia you. You know that I love you as a dear, dear friend. Jesus said to him, Feed my Sheep. I think what's fascinating about this passage is that when Jesus asked Peter, do you agape me? We all know the answer. The answer is no. Peter can't agape Jesus. He just proved that he isn't willing to sacrifice everything, that he looked out for himself in the time of most need. He ran away in shame. He can't say agape. But what he can say is that you are a dear, dear friend. And I want to be in this with you. And so Jesus is going to repeat it. Do you agape me? Peter can't say yes. Instead, he says, no, I philia you. And then the third time, we see Jesus making the move towards Peter. He doesn't ask, do you agape me? He says, do you philia me? Do you love me as a dear, dear friend? And I imagine the hurt that Peter experiences is one of two things. Either he's hurt that he needs to be asked for a third time, as if the first two times weren't enough or weren't clear. Or maybe he's hurt because he's had to watch Jesus and listen to Jesus change the wording in order to be able to meet him on his level. Maybe that's just hard to recognize that someone that you are so close to, that you have been in such dear, dear friendship with, in close proximity and discipleship and following and miracles and even the crucifixion, and yet now they once again have to bend down to you and meet you in the midst of your own brokenness. And so Peter responds with, Lord, you know everything. You know all the things that I've done wrong. You know all the ways that I've tried my best. You know everything. You know how I've messed up. You know I can't say agape, and you know that I do, philia. You know that I love you with a dear, dear friendship-type love. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. Now, here's the thing about Jesus. Is that no matter what Peter says, the calling never shifts. No matter what Peter is able to say or willing to say or not say, Jesus never wavers on his trust and confidence in his call for Peter. Jesus is always willing to give Peter the opportunity to follow him and to feed sheep. Jesus is making room for Peter. So here's the question for us Are we willing to make room For our friends. Are we willing to make room for our friends when they mess up? When they're not there in our time of need? When they don't lay it all down? When they don't show us the agape type love that we might need in that very moment? When they don't show up, are we willing to recognize that maybe there's other forms of love that they are capable of giving? Maybe. Maybe that's what we can offer. Is we can offer love even if it looks a little different. But then here's the other thing, is that Jesus doesn't expect Peter to stay in this place of just deep, dear friendship, love. What we actually see is that Jesus reinstating Peter, Jesus meeting Peter and, and, and identifying his calling to feed the sheep, Jesus doing this in a way where he bends down to Peter and makes room for Peter in the midst of Peter's brokenness. What we actually see this doing in Peter is lighting the fire and moving Peter to be the type of person that does show agape type love. That Jesus moving towards Peter actually moves Peter towards Jesus. We actually see Peter becoming the form of agape love, laying it all down, willing to go to prison, willing to die for the cause, willing to die for this way of being in the world. We see Peter becoming Christ-like because he's willing to understand love in a new way. Powerful way. So maybe we aren't simply called to love our friends in the way they need us to, but also maybe in doing so, we are moving them and us towards a form of love that is deeper, a form of love that is agape. Because that is what love in a friendship looks like it makes room for all the mess, all the hurt, all the baggage. Makes room for us to mess up, but also to desire more and to be better. Because we need our friends. We need the family that we choose. Because sometimes the family that we have isn't always what we need it to be. Even the best of families aren't perfect. Even the families that are always there for us and are healthy aren't the best every single moment. We need the family that we choose, we need our friends. So, who are friends that you're choosing? How are you moving towards them and giving grace and offering space? And how are you being called to a deeper form of love and then calling others towards that love as well? How can we be the type of friends where love is all we need? Go in grace. Go in peace. Alright, a couple of quick announcements for everyone. Coming up on Thursday, June 15th, that is this Thursday, we're going to start a new thing. It's a summer thing. I was talking with a group of people the other night from our community here, and we were all talking about our dogs and enjoying dog parks and walking the dogs, and then the thought hit us, well, why don't we meet up and walk the dogs or have them play together at a dog park? And it just seemed to make a lot of sense. So, Thursday, June 15th, 8 a.m., all you early risers, 8 a.m., we're going to meet at the Rice Creek Off-Leash Dog Area that is located at 5959 Lexington Avenue North, the Rice Creek Off-Leash Dog Area, Thursday, June 15th, 8 a.m. Should be a great time. I'll have my two dogs out there, a 70-pound Black Lab and a 100-pound St. Bernadoodle, so it should be a fun time to watch them go crazy. Also coming up in the near future on Sunday, June 25th at 5 p.m., we are going to be having a family game night. Family game nights are not just for families, they are for everybody. Everybody is welcome to come, the entire church and community family. We want you to bring a dish to share. We'll have hot dogs and buns and beverages and some cookies, and you're welcome to bring a dish to share, a side item, and then invite some friends, neighbors, whoever you want. We will have plenty of hot dogs and plenty of fun, so please come on out. To family game night on sunday june 25th this is also peace and justice sunday we have opportunities for you to give to help the causes of justice and peacemaking half of what you give will stay in our local area and the other half will go to areas around the world where the united methodist church is seeking to help with justice and peace efforts around our globe so we would love for you to participate in Peace and Justice Sunday, which you are welcome to give to at any point in time, but we are making a special note of it at this time of the year. Those are a couple of announcements we have for this week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Peace, the podcast. If you would like to learn more about our community, go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. For more episodes of this podcast, you can go to our website or go to the show page, peace the podcast.podbean.com. Again, peace the May you experience the love of God and may you have peace.